a little bit of review. Let's go ahead and do, we'll start out, we'll start out with our wonderful professor voice, all right? Let's start out. Does anybody remember the first word we learned yesterday? Justification. You're like, just uh, who? Like, what is this? All right. So justification. All right. So you got your, everybody get your voice ready. We're going to say justification. You have it ready. Remember, you're sitting in your nice library. Some may call it a den. You have a nice leather chair. You're ready for your, your pinkies out. You're drinking tea. Or if you're Southern, your sweet tea. Right, you ready for this? All right. On the, remember, we'll do the one, two, three, and then on go. Okay, because that way we're not like just the, not saying it yet. Just, okay, now we're saying it. Yeah. So on go. Ready? One, two, three, go. Justification. Okay. Now, if you remember, justification is like a, a, a it's like a legal change. It's the remember I was saying it's the title change above you. It's now when God looks at you, He doesn't look at you as enemy. He actually looks at you as like a son or a daughter. It's a change that happens. Now, what was the second? Does anybody remember the second word we had? Sanctification. All right. And what word did I say is kind of connected with that? Saint. Yeah. And it's to be set apart. Remember, I was saying it's like sanctification is you're out here. And then you're set apart from the world. You're brought into the boat, right? It's like being set apart, and that's where being a saint. You guys want to say that one with me? Ready? One, two, three, go. Sanctification. All right, there we go. So, yeah, that is the process that from the time you're saved, from the time your title is changed, you start a process of it's like growing up. It's like growing into maturity. And remember, I used my daughter as an example where from the time she was born, she was given an identity, just like from the time we're saved, we're given an identity as saved and cleansed and son or daughter, right? We're given that identity, but the rest of our life will be growing into our identity, just like my daughter. When she was born, she was Naya. She's the only daughter of mine that I have. She's Naya. But now she's growing more and more, and she can tell you her birthday, her name. She can spell her name. She's understanding that I'm dad, that mom, that brother. She's understanding life, and same thing with you as Christianity. That, again, you're saved, and then you're justified, so the title's changed, and then you're brought into the boat, and then from that point on, you can now, be, you can now mature. You can now grow. You, it's like a process that's going on. All right, so we did our two professor voices. All right, and then we've talked a little bit about uh, like the driftwood, right? I had the driftwood up here, and it's like we're holding on to it, and it's, it's this thing. Now, driftwood is like it was things that gave us hope, but really it doesn't give us our purpose. Remember, I was talking about the driftwood, and as we're, we're holding on to the driftwood, it, it might be like helpful, it might be good, but it's not our only hope. It's not really going to save us. And a lot of people think like their sports is their identity, or they think their academics, as long as they're the smartest kid in the class, that, 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 that will offer them hope and no, driftwood is things that are okay, yeah, they're, they're helpful, but they don't offer true hope. What we were talking about is how Jesus Christ is the lifesaver that was sent down to us. Remember, it said he was even like sent down from heaven, and he's the only one that knows the way back into relationship with God. So I said Jesus is the lifesaver. So kind of recapping all this, we're understanding that Jesus is the way that we can get into true relationship with God. Now, this can be kind of confusing because you're like, okay, so... I thought God was God, is Jesus God? And then I hear something about the like, Holy Spirit. How does this all work? Right now, God is three yet one, all right? And there's different ways of trying to explain it, but just understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of them are equally God, okay? They all are, and here's what's beautiful. Scripture actually says that God is love. 
not just that he's loving, but he is love. Because think about it. Like, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one, yet they're kind of unique persons inside of that. So it's unique. Or what's beautiful about it is God is love because he is always in relationship perfectly. All right? It's like he knows exactly what, like, he is part of one, yet three. It's, it's this unique thing. But it was beautiful is that what God says is God said, you know what? And it's like the Trinity was talking, saying, you know what? There's people out there and that we need them to be saved. And what was beautiful is that Jesus says, you know what? Even though I'm all God, I'm going to trap myself down. I'm going to put myself into a human body and I'm going to take the sacrifice so that through my death, through my resurrection, it's like I could buy people back to God saying that your sin should keep you here. And what God says is I'm going to come down and I'm going to make it so you can be free from your sin and I can bring you into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, what we talked about is the boat, okay? Because the boat can be a little confusing. What this is, is this is our opportunity to be in a relationship with God, right? Because like I said, out here we can live in our sin and this is going to be our new lifestyle, okay? This stepping in is leaving our old lifestyle and stepping into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the one I've talked only a little bit about is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to be the breath, because what's beautiful is that the word for the old, like, you know how the Bible was written in different languages? If you didn't know that, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek, and these words for the Holy Spirit is like breath. Now, think how cool this is. How did God bring Adam to life? He breathed into him, right? And there's even a point in Scripture where it says that Jesus breathed on his disciples. And remember, like, Jesus compares it to the wind. It's kind of this idea of, like, breath, the spirit, right? Now, what happens is when we are out here, okay, one thing that I've left out is we're not just lost. We're not just enemies. We're dead. What's beautiful is when God brings us in, there's this word revive. You guys have heard the word revive. And it's almost like he breathes new life into us. Okay, the way scripture would call that is we're born again. Think of born again, revived, or pretty similar things. Now, when we're playing Simon Dice, or when we're playing Simon Says, you guys were getting super confused. Because at first, you're like, oh, I can do this. I can bend down. I can make a noise like an octopus. What? <laughs> okay. Do you have a pet octopus? Because that was, if, I've, if there is a noise they make, I'd imagine that was pretty close. Does anybody know, do, you even, do they even make noises? I'd, I'd imagine it's just like, whoosh, whoosh, like that's like I don't know, I don't like I don't know if they make noises. But here's what we're talking about tonight. So the first few nights we've talked about the actual holding on to the lifesaver, and we talked about getting in the boat. Now that we're in the boat, changing clothes and staying dry, now we're going to talk about listen to the captain. Now, what the whole idea of the Simon Says thing was that when you were hearing just one voice, it's easy to listen just one voice, and then our like we started picking up speed a little bit. And then it got to the point where even if we were telling you the same, like telling you the same things, it'd be hard to hear two masters or two captains telling you the same thing, just going back and forth. But you know what was happening is Barrett and I were actually not just like going at the same time. We were actually contradicting each other. Because there was times where Barrett said, Simon says, stand up. And I said, Simon says, sit down. And then I said, Simon says, do jumping jacks. And then over here, Barrett said, Simon says, stop doing jumping jacks. Now, what's going to happen in Christianity is there's going to be a time where the world is still shouting out to you. And at first, when you're only listening to the world and you don't know God's way, you're out here floating around with your, with your driftwood and you're only out hearing the, the voices of the world. And you're like, okay, yeah, I can, 
I can live this way. This isn't all that bad. But then you start to hear the voice of the captain, and you're like, that, that tells me to do something different than what the voice of the world is telling me, right? And then you start to hear the captain saying different things, and you're like, that's different. Than, and what's going to start happening is you're going to discover that not only are they just uh, shouting out at the same time, they're actually going to be shouting out very different, even contradicting things. Now, when we're talking about the captain tonight, I want you to understand that the captain is God himself, that the captain is talking with you, right? This is, uh, you know, I, I was talking about how the Trinity is here. Now, what's beautiful is God speaks to us. God wants relationship because remember, I talked that I said that he doesn't just want to bring you in the boat and then send you down to the lower parts of the boat where you could just sit there and play cards, play go fish. You're just kind of sitting here doing absolutely nothing. You're just kind of there like reminiscing. Oh yeah, it was really cool when, when God saved me and he's up there kind of doing his, his saving thing. And I'm down here playing go fish and having my wonderful Gatorade and just relaxing. What God says is he doesn't just save us. He saves us to be his son. He saves us to be his daughter. He wants to adopt us. Now, could you imagine if somebody adopted a kid and then didn't really want a relationship with him? That'd that'd be wild, like crazy, like that's wrong. And when Jesus adopts us, he doesn't just want you to be like, okay, all right, you're in the boat, you're safe, good, now go away. No, God says, listen, I saved you because I want relationship. I want to love you. I want you to be like my own son, my own daughter, right? I want to bring you and I want to adopt you. I want you to understand that that this relationship can change everything and that you can have true hope. Now, there's going to be a few different passages we're going to flip around. If you want, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning to Romans 13. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, there'll be a few people coming around, but I think most of you grabbed them coming in. Romans 13, if you have one of the church Bibles, that's on page 678. 678. So if you want to turn there, it's going to be Romans 13. And this, this verse is going to kind of start us out. In our, in our talk tonight, in our understanding tonight. So turn to Romans chapter 13. And as you're turning there, let me go ahead and just open up in a word of prayer and just dedicate this time to the Lord and ask for him to come down and to speak to us, especially since we're talking about listening to the captain. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God that wants relationship with us. God, we thank you that you wrote us a, a book, the Bible. It's 66 books of a love letter that you dedicated to us. And we thank you that you sent your son to die, that we could be adopted into your family, even though we were once enemies of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans 13, I'm sorry, Romans 6, sorry, Romans 6, which is on page 678. So Romans 6, so flip back a little bit, go ahead, I'm listening to the pages turn, this should be like one, two, like somewhere in there. All right, so Romans 6, 70 to 18, on page 678. I love the way this starts out. Look, look at how this starts out. Like, you could just end here. Like, thank God. And just end there. Done. Like, we could walk out. We can go back. This is a great time. But how awesome. It says, thank God. And why are we thanking God? It says, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Okay, that last part seems to, like, be like, we're slaves to righteous living. That doesn't sound very exciting. Okay, but let's kind of remember what this is saying. So the first part here says, thank God. And they're like, okay, so we're thanking God. And then it says, once you were slaves of sin. All right, so what this is setting up is it says, when you're out to sea, you couldn't stop the waves. Okay, it was, it was as though the waves were your master, 
right? Because wherever the waves went, you went. Like, how many of you guys have gone out uh, to the ocean and, like, tried to, like, fight the waves? You've done that thing where you've, like, sat down right there where the waves are crashing, and you've, like, tried to sit up as these waves are coming. And, like, at first, you're like, oh, this is fun. And then you look up, and there's, like, the tide must be rising because that's a bigger wave than I remember, right? And then you're, like, and it's getting closer, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a big wave. And it, like, comes over and just knocks you over, right? Like, that. how many of you have done that before? You guys have done that? And then you're like, there's sand and, like, in this part here. Like, I don't like sand right there. And like I was talking to you, like you get home and you put on your shoes, you're like, I cleaned my feet seven times with that little foot wash thing. There's still sand in my socks. Like, you're, you're irritated, right? So at first, you were slaves to the ocean. You were slaves to the sea. You were slaves to the waves, right? And what this is saying is that you were slaves to sin, right? Because think about it. How many of you have tried to stop lying or tried to stop being mean or telling those jokes or how many of you have tried something like that? You like, admit it. You, like we've done that where I'm like, okay, today I'm not gonna, and then fill in the blank. You're like, tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to wake up happy. And then like seven o'clock comes around. You're like, I don't want to be awake. Right? You're like, I just want to be sleeping. I like bed. Right? So that's like, you, you try to like break out of this. It's, it's like you're a slave to your sin. Right? And that's like a light example. There's, there's worse things, right? There's the anger. There's the, like, the, the issues of watching those movies. You're like, man, I just need to stop watching this. Or watching something like a television show that you're hooked on. You're like, I should probably stop watching this, but I just can't. I'm hooked. Right? And it's just these, like, little subtle things that you don't realize until you're like, I can stop. I can stop whenever I want. Okay, press play. And then, like, Netflix comes up. Are you still watching? You're like, yeah, I'm still watching. You know? And, and it's like this idea that you're like, man, I... It, like, you, you feel like, oh, no, I, I should be able to stop this. You realize that you're hooked. It's like you're a slave to your sin. You can't break out of this mold. And that's what he's saying here. That's what Paul is saying. He says, you were slaves of sin, but now, and I love this, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given to you. He says, but now you have wholeheartedly, let's switch it to our analogy, listened to the captain. He says, but wholeheartedly, you are no longer slaves of the ocean, Okay, when the slaves come crashing over, you're now safe. You're planted in the boat. You're planted on this warship. You're safe. And then it continues on, kind of expanding it just a little bit. He says, now you are free from your slavery to sin. And like I said, this is, he says, now you've been brought out of that slavery and set in here. But then it kind of switches this, the idea of like, now you're slaves to righteousness. And you're like, I don't know if I like the idea of being slave. Like, I'm not sure I like that. Let's continue on. Because what we're going to do is I, I want you to, like, to understand that this is saying that you're slave to righteousness. But let's develop what it's actually teaching us. Because did you catch in that song that it said that I am free even though you've made me captive? And, and it's like, that, that kind of contradicts. And we were all just singing it. You know, but let's continue on with this. Because what's going to happen is, if you want, turn to page 745. It's only a little bit farther in your Bible. And here's what, like, I want to start doing. As you're turning there, I want to compare because what happened is, like, you have this, this fight that's occurring, right? You have this fight that's occurring between, like, the waves and you hear the voices of the world. You hear the vo- voices of God. And what Paul is saying here, Paul originally just said, hey, listen, you've been set free from being a slave to the ocean. I want to bring you in. I want, I want you to understand that God wants relationship with you. And it brings you out and he's saying, Okay, remember your old life. Remember your old slavery. He says, before, you were bruised, you were beaten, you were bloodied, and there's sharks swimming around you. Or, you can have a relationship with God. Like, okay, that seems to be a pretty good trade-off. He says, you could be slaves to the waves, 
or you could be in a relationship with God and dry. And it says you could be slaves to the, the driftwood and trying to hold on for dear life to the raft, or you could be in a relationship with God. He says you could be slaves to your dehydration and the darkness and the stench of the ocean, or you could be in a relationship with God. Now, it seems to be a pretty easy choice, but remember your sin is just so badly wanting to trip you up and wanting to pull you back just a little bit at a time. Let's look at what it says on page 745. If you have your Bible, it's in 1 John 5, 3. Because we're going to take a turn, we're going to understand that we're not just a slave, right? It says that we're slaves to righteousness. What that is saying is that out here, we're slaves to the ocean that we had a bitter master because that master led to death. Now, it's like we've joined a team. Think of it as a team, right? Imagine a coach, like a really good coach saying, boys, Girls, on the sports team, we're going to be strict, but I promise you it's going to pay off. We're probably going to be running more laps than the other team. We're probably going to be, and what he's saying, he says, listen, there's going to be some instruction I give you, but I promise it will be worth it because the old life, okay, the old waves, the old sin led to death. This way leads to life, not just life here on this earth, but life eternal, and then in 1 John 5, 3, I, I love the words he's starting to use here. He says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Notice it says, loving God is keeping his commandments. So we're starting to see this relationship that's developing, and he says, keeping his commandments is not burdensome. At first, you, you're like, man, commandments, rules, isn't that a burden? Okay, isn't it a burden to like, have to follow a bunch of rules? Because you've probably heard people say, like, oh, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to read the Bible. All it is is a bunch of rules. You've probably heard that before, and people are like, you know what? I'm just going to dismiss it. It's too hard to live that way. I don't want to dismiss You know when it gets hard is when there's two captains speaking. Do you understand that? When there's two captains speaking, like out here, when the world is speaking, when your old sin is speaking to you and you're still listening to it, and when God is speaking, that's when it becomes a burden. Because God's voice on his own isn't burdensome, it's hopeful. He says, listen, I want to have a relationship with because I love you. I'm going to prove that I love you, that I'm going to send my son to die for you, to buy you back, to be my adopted son, to be my adopted daughter, because I love you. He says, and there's going to be some things I say that when I say get dressed, you might be like, oh, man, like, it's just, it's, it's, it feels burdensome. But then you realize that what he's saying, he says, get dressed because there's a storm coming. So his commandments, he's saying they're not burdensome. It's actually saying that, hey, I love you, that I want relationship with you, that I want to see you protected even when out here it gets stormy. I want to see your feet plantly, like, uh, like planted on the ground firm. He said, I want you to be safe. I don't want the rocking ocean to mess with you. I'm going to listen to me because I have the best intentions for you. God says, I love you and I want to see you get better and better. I want to see you mature, just like that word, that process. I want to see you continue to grow and grow and grow. He says, your old master, your old life, care nothing about you. Because sin is really fun at first, and then it's like a poison that slowly kills you, right? At first, it's a blast. And what Satan does, he says, hey, it's like, you can just, you can stay small. You don't have to, like, let this thing get out of hand. Then you go a little bit farther into your sin and a little bit farther into your sin, a little bit farther in your sin. He's like, hey, hey, like, there's people that are still worse than this, and they're doing fine. And then a little bit farther. And what Satan does, is he, he, he says, hey, isn't this fun? And then as it's starting to get 
get hard and as you're starting to notice there's bad side side effects and you're realizing you're like man like this is the stuff that I used to think about and like never want to do and now you're doing it you look back and you're like man I've come so far from God I've I've drifted away from him and Satan's like hey it's it's all right like we're having fun remember when you're doing this it's a lot of fun your friends are doing it and even if they're not doing it like you're having fun doing it and you start drifting farther and farther and farther from God your old slave master would slowly kill you whether or not you realized it, your sin was slowly killing you. Now, the opposite of that is Jesus brings you and he says, listen, I, I don't just offer you life. Christ says, I am the life. He says, I don't want to just come and live next to you. He says, I want to come live in you. I want to guide you. I want you to understand that I want to breathe a true life into you because here on this earth, all of us are going to die. He says, but realistically, my like the breath I'm giving you, this spirit, this Holy Spirit that's going to come live inside of you, is going to take you from not just here on this earth, that even when your body dies, it's like the best life will begin after that. He says, so here on this earth, it might be hard to listen to some of these commands, but listen, my love for you is so great. Because here's what the world says. Remember our old master? Our old master says, hey, young lady, you, like you've seen the models on television. You've seen the models You've seen the people in the commercials. You've seen the magazine front. You, you need to dress like them. If you ever hope to, to get attention, you need to dress like that. You need to, like, not just diet. You need to go to the extreme because you need to look the part. I'm like, hey, young lady. And the world is continuing to whisper those lies. It's starting to whisper to you, hey, hey, hey. Like, you need to change everything about you that, like, you, come on, don't be happy with what you look like. And, hey, flirt with, the, flirt with those guys. Like, hey, and then what it says to the guys, it says, hey, guys, guys, like, you can't feel, right? Like, show no emotion. Be rude. Tell the jokes you know that guys are going to laugh at. And be, like, the, the guys that you know are easy to pick on, have a blast with it. As long as your buddies are joking, just be like, ah, it's, I'm just joking around. I don't really mean it. And saying, like, you don't feel. Just be macho. Like, anything that does hurt your feelings, don't open up about it. Like, don't show, don't show emotion. you got to be tough. And it's these lies that are saying, hey, just forget about, forget about what God is saying. Just listen to this. And what death is doing, what sin is doing, is drifting you farther and farther and farther away. But notice it says that God's commands are not burdensome. If you can, like, we're going to kind of stay right here. If, as, as you're turned there in 1 John, we're going to kind of stay between the, the end of 1 John and the end of 2 John. So turn just a little bit farther to 2 John 1, verse 6. Now, what this is saying, this is going to develop this idea of what his commands are. Because like I said, when you just hear rules, when you hear commands, instantly you're like, that sounds like a burden to me. But we're going to develop this idea that what God is teaching us is coming from love. When God is saying something, when we're in the boat with him, he's developing this idea that he's like, listen, when I say something, I'm going to be saying this because I love you. And there's going to be times that I can explain those. There's going to be times I explain what I'm telling you to do. There's other times, and I hope I give you enough reason to trust me, that the other times... I want you to believe me even if you don't fully understand it. I want you to trust me even if it doesn't make complete sense because I promise I have your best interest in mind. And 2 John 1 verse 6 says, Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to, look what it says, to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. Now what he's saying, he says, you're, 
this idea is the command, the thing that we're saying is in here, I want us to be a team. I want us to be one crew. That when we're in here, the whole time, from the very beginning, my idea was so that you could experience my love. When I created Adam and Eve, I wanted a relationship with them. I wanted them to experience the love that is between me, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Son. I want them to experience this. And here together, the thing that I told you from the very beginning is the love. And that is my command. He's saying, my can't, command isn't burdensome, it's love. When you're in a committed relationship, there's going to be some tough times that come, but I want you to choose to love, because love isn't just a feeling. It's not just like a little bubbly feeling you get when you see somebody cute, and you're like, oh, that's so fun. Okay, love is a choice. Love is a decision. It's a lifestyle of saying, hey, even when it's hard, I'm going to choose to love you. Even when it's tough, I'm going to choose to make the right decision on our behalf. And what God is saying, he says, you know what? I'll prove how much I love you. I'm going to send my son down to die for you. Because you know what? The son says, I love them. And I know the only way to buy them back is to hang on the cross and to die. But here's the beautiful truth. I'm going to put my trust in knowing that God, that, that I'll rise again victorious over all of that. What God does is he says, you know what? That even, Jesus even prays. Jesus is thinking in the, in the garden, like, if there's any other way. Because he knew how hard the sacrifice was going to be. But then you start following Jesus' prayer, and he gets to the point where he says, you know what? The only way, he, he's realizing the only way I can save these people is if I die and rise again. And he says to the Father, he says, not my will, but yours. He says, because my body is terrified of what's about to happen, but I know that God can be trusted. I know that true life is going to flow into people because when I die, I'm going to rise again victorious over death. I'm going to walk out of the grave and that death itself is going to be defeated. He says, now we can go out and people can be saved. We can rescue them finally, Father. And Jesus was recognizing, you know what? That I know I'm fully human, but I know that I am fully God. And he says, we will rise victorious and people can be saved because of that. So as you're there in 2 John, flip back just a little bit to 1 John 4, 10. Because here's the thing is, when we're hearing the commands of God, right, it says that they're not burdensome. He says that they come out of love. So when God's here, what he says is, there's going to be times where he says, hey, get dressed. And you're like, man, that sounds like a command. And then he says, no, 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 there's a storm coming. You're like, oh, that's actually, like, that's actually for my best interest. There's going to be times where he says, hey, everybody on deck. I need everybody up here. I need everyone to obey what I say. And you're like, man, that sounds like another drill. And he says, because I need you here because there's voices of others crying out. Because my heart is to see them saved. And I want to build a team that can go out and that can tell them what it means to grab hold of Jesus Christ, to grab hold of the lifesaver. And then he says, you know what? I need you to listen very closely. When I say something, I need you to listen. You're like, man, that just seems strict. And he says, no, 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 listen. There's sharks in the water. Okay, I need you to stay back from the rail. I don't even want you to get close to your old sin. I want you to stay back. I want you to build a team around you that can keep you safe from your old sin because there's sharks in the water, and I love you, and I don't want to see you fall overboard. I don't want to see you fall back into your old sin. I don't want to see you backsliding into the things you used to do. And you start to discover that when Jesus is talking to you, when God's telling you those things, when you get that feeling that you're like, I just know I shouldn't do this, that what God is doing, he says, listen, I love you and I promise is the best interest for you. 
I don't want to see you fall overboard. There's other voices crying out. I want you to be a witness to them. I want you to be able to tell them, hey, listen, I'm no better than you are. I've done nothing to earn this. I can't boast about this. It was a free gift. When I grabbed hold of Jesus Christ, when I grabbed hold of the lifesaver, there's nothing I did to earn it. I'm not no better than you. And God says, I want you to be able to go out and tell people, listen, I am proud to be a Christian that I have grabbed hold of Jesus Christ. And I know it's changed my life. And I know I might be different than I was before, but it's better that I have a relationship with God, that I now have hope that even when this world is, is going to destruction, I know that I have an eternal home that will never be destroyed. And you can offer hope to your friends saying, hey, listen, I know this world is going to be tough, right? The Bible even tells us that. The Bible even says that this world is going to be tough. But the beauty is that this world isn't the end, that there's an eternal life that follows this, that we can start now. We can start in relationship with God now, and we can develop it. We just need to listen to the captain, because at times it sounds like he's strict, but really, he cares for us. He loves us. He's not just our captain. He's our father. There's this father figure, because here's the beauty of it. I don't know where you come from in life. I don't know if you have a good relationship with your father. I don't know if you, if you don't even know your father. I don't know if your father walked out on you. I don't know that. Okay, but I want you to picture God as the perfect father, because he is. Okay, there's going to be times where Jesus might, or where God the Father, when Jesus, when God is, is going to seem like a warrior, and you're like, man, that seems pretty tough. But I want you to picture this. Okay, if there's going to be a bump in the night, if there's going to be something scary in the night, right, what does a good father do? Is he going to go out there and be like, hey, I think that might be danger to my family. I'm going to go out, I'd rather just kind of stay back, and I don't, I don't want to fight that. I'm going to let that happen. Because when you look at the God of the Old Testament, he can seem a lot like a warrior, But when you understand in the context of the father, what God is doing, he says, listen, these are my children and I will stop at nothing to protect my children. I don't even want like a hint of something getting to my children. And what God is doing is he's like the shepherd. He's like a father. He says, listen, let me be the captain. Let me be a warrior that protects my children. I want to be like a bodyguard that says anything that steps in the way of my children, anything that wants to harm my children, whether it be an idol, whether it be another religion, whether it be the enemy of God, he says, listen, I'm the father and they'll have to go through me because I love my children. We should rejoice that we have a warrior of a father. We should rejoice that we have a father that says, I want to be their father. I want to adopt them and I'll stop at nothing to protect them. And then you start to think, okay, well, like, he's a judge. You know, like, that seems kind of rough, because in the Old Testament, it seems like there's a lot of judgment, and even in the New Testament, like, it seems kind of rough. Like, why does hell even exist? But we understand in the context of father, it makes a lot of sense. Because if I see my daughter running towards the street, I shouldn't be like, oh, I should be a, a nice dad, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to scare her. I don't, I don't want to, like, punish her or ground her. I don't, I don't want to do that, because I want to be a good dad. No, a good father says, hey, Naya, you're running towards the street. There's cars coming by. There's danger ahead. And you know what I'm probably going to do is I'm probably going to punish her, right? I'm going to discipline her. I'm going to make her put her nose in the corner. I'm going to put her in timeout because I want her to know that when she's running towards the street and she sees danger, that dad hates that. And dad, the father is going to sit her down and say, listen, okay, it doesn't always make sense, but I need you to understand that when I tell you not to do something, I promise I'll love you. When she was two, she didn't understand that. But you know what she does now? She runs in and if, if, if the stove is on, I'm like, the stove is hot. She knows to back away because she's, she knows that's hot, that's dangerous, that dad actually does love me, that when he tells me not to touch it, it's not that he wants to be, me to have a boring life. He's understanding he's protecting me. So when you understand that God adopted you, when it's his love that's speaking, that his commands aren't burdensome, is to see you develop more and more into a mature Christian. 
okay? Because my role as a father is to protect my daughter. I, when, when there is something in the night, I need to turn into like a warrior mode, right? Like I'm going to do like a full like scream and everything, oh! Right, because then the bad guys would be like, oh, "This is going to be an easy target." No, and like then the other kids are going to wake up. No, but I should be the one that's like out there, like, "Hey, listen, anything in the middle of the night, I need to make sure I protect my family." Right? You know who set the best example of that is God. Why do you think when He says, "Listen, I have brought you out of Egypt," and He says, "Now I need to get Egypt out of you," right? Because what He says is, "He says I've brought you out of the ocean." Now I need to get the ocean out of you. I need to revive you. I need to get all the fluid like, that's built up in your lungs, everything you've sucked and everything that has caused you to be in the state you're in. He says, I need to get that back out. Right? Because he says, listen, I know that you have the stench of the ocean. I know you have that. He says, I'm going to tell you that I want you to have no other gods before me. I want to be your captain. I want to be your God because I promise you I have your best interest in mind. Because the interest isn't just for this world. He says, they have eternal consequences. He says, I want you to be saved. I want to see you grow to maturity. And hear what it says in 1 John 4.10. 4, says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Because remember what I said is that he set out in advance to adopt us. It says that that was true love. Not that we loved him, not that we can earn it. It says that even while we were enemies, Christ died for us. That it says God came down. He says, listen, your sin is killing you. And true love is that I will go down and I will take the punishment for everything you've done wrong. You'll be forgiven. You'll be cleansed. That I will take, even though Jesus has done nothing wrong, even though Jesus was God himself, even though we are his creation, that we're rebels against him. He says, listen, I will take your punishment because I want to see you cleansed. I will take your punishment and I will forgive you. Because even though God is a good judge, he says, you know what? I can't let punishment go. If, if, if I saw one, like one of my children hurting the other one, I'd be a pretty bad father if I just said, oh, stop. And the other one's in a lot of pain. I'm just like, hey, you know what? I'll let this one slide. Just, just go, go play. No, I should step in and say, hey, are you okay? Like, I need to make sure that my children are doing okay. And you know what God does? He says, listen, I know that there's a punishment that you deserve. But remember that verse? I didn't come down to just tell you that you're wrong. I came down to save you because he says, even though there's punishment that each of us deserve, he says, even though each of us deserve it, even though our lies, our, our betrayal, the, the times that we're mean to mom and dad, the times we're mean to our siblings, even though we've done things we know we shouldn't, even though we're watching stuff we know we shouldn't, it says, I know you deserve punishment, but you know what? I'm a good judge, and punishment is going to be dished out. But it's going to be on my son, Jesus Christ. It's going to be on God himself. Because when you sin against God, it takes God to pay it back. And even though we sin against God, it's a good thing that there's God Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because he says, even though you've sinned against God, Jesus Christ, God himself, will die so that you can walk free. And like we were talking about, our Christianity, getting saved, isn't just the goal, right? Just sitting here and being like, okay, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything else. Like I said, that's just like the legal signing of the adoption papers. And then you're officially a son. You're officially a daughter. But what about relationship? What about having a real relationship with God? God says, listen, 
That's not the end. That's not the end goal. I don't just want you to be saved. I don't want you to just come and just do what I say and then be up here and be like, okay, I'm just doing this because God told me to. I'm just doing this. I'm just helping people. I'm doing all this. And I just, no, God says, listen, you're missing the point. If all you do is get saved and you get, get in the boat, even if you change clothes and stay dry, even if your identity changes, even if you get the sin out of your life, but you stay below deck and don't hear from the captain, if you just stay below deck and you just sit back and relax and you think nothing again of God, if you sit here and like, I'm trying to be a good person, you're sitting here just relaxing like, yeah, I remember when God saved me and I appreciate it. You know, and yeah, I, I believe all that and I believe but you don't have a relationship with God, you're missing the point. He says, the reason I'm adopting you is so you can experience my love. He says, the reason I want this relationship with you is so that we can grow closer and closer and closer together. He says, if you just come in and, you know, I don't want you to just come and just close the door. He says, please open your door. I want to continue relationship. I want you to understand how much I love you. And if, if you just grow away from me, if you just ignore me, you don't know the true love of the Father. And here's the thing is when we're talking about this driftwood, it's not that these things are all bad. Right? When we're holding on to our sports, our instrument, I'm a drummer, right? Like, I love sports. I love, love playing the drums. And there came a point in my life where I was realizing, you know what, I could probably get into like some bands, and I was actually in a band, and um, my buddies, I, I made an agreement with them, they weren't Christian, but I said, hey, you know what, I don't mind like being in a band that's not Christian, but we just cannot play anything that isn't like, that, that is against God. And then said, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then this is kind of what I was talking about, when it starts here, and you slowly start stepping closer and closer towards sin that you didn't want to get in. Because then the band was like, hey, I really want to do the song. And at first I didn't know the song, so I'm like, yeah, we'll play that. And uh, they said, okay, we have two, two shows lined up. Let's play those two shows. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah, that's all good. And then the songs they started introducing started to have some themes in it. And I'm like, I don't think I want to be using drums for that. And then there were some songs that actually were just downright cussing. I was like, man, I've, like, this isn't why I'm playing drums. And what I had to make the decision of, I, I told the guys, I said, you know what? I've, I've promised you that I'd be in these two shows, but after that, I'm done. Because the songs we're choosing, I just, I cannot be a part of this band anymore. Even though I loved it, I absolutely loved playing the drums. And I said, you know what? This itself isn't bad, but when this is what's keeping me from growing in relationship with God, if I have to choose between my old master and my new one, see ya. <laughs> you know, it's getting rid of that. Because I say, you know what? Because this, where does this go? What does this really offer me in the long run, right? And there's going to be some sports for you that you're like, you know what? Sports aren't all bad, but when it's starting to keep you from God, it's when it's starting to even distract you from God, it might be time to say goodbye. Or if there's going to be friends or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, there's going to be the lunch table you're sitting at, your hobbies, the things you watch that all by themselves might not be that bad. But when you're putting them before God, God says, hey, I, I really don't like sharing you. He says, you know what? I love you, that I want relationship with you, that even though those things might not be all bad, they're, they're keeping a, a wedge between me and you. And here's the beauty of it. You know what happened is I started, um, like, I, like I said, I love playing drums. There's other things I absolutely love. You have to change your way of thinking. Because what God does, he says, hey, listen, I want you to put me first before everything. I want you to build everything off of me. 
What God is saying, he says, just like that song said, that off of me, I want you to build everything. Now, here's the beauty of it, is when we have relationship with God, that there's going to be times where he says, hey, when you go back to school, when you go back to your neighborhood, when you go back into sports, when you go back into playing your instrument, I want to be the reason you're doing it. And at first you're like, is this another command? He goes, no, listen, listen. Because I want you to use that as a tool to bring others into the family. I want to use that as a tool to draw others out of their sin. So that when you do play drums, when you do play guitar, when you play your instruments, when you play on the sports team, when you go to school, when you use your intellect in your school, he says, listen, I want you to use that as a tool that draws people into relationship with me because I love them and I want to see them adopted as well. So the beauty of it is he says, listen, here's what I want. It's like I'm creating each of you to be a missionary. Because, you know, I think a lot of us think missions is when we get on a plane and we go somewhere and we do missions overseas. The beauty of it is God says you are a missionary every you set your foot because no longer is this your home. That any time you're out on the sea, that's not your home anymore. Right? Your home is, 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 is heaven. Your home is in relationship with me. That now that we are building this relationship together, anywhere I send you, I want to send you out as a missionary. Then when you go on your sports team, think, how would a missionary act? When you go to your school, I want you to look around thinking, each of these people are lost at sea. How would that change your perspective? When you're listening to the captain, the captain says, hey, I want you to be praying continually. If you're just like, yeah, 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 big what, pray continually. But when you're starting to walk through your school and you're praying like, God, I love you, and you look up and you realize that there's a kid that is, is hurting. When you're praying, you're like, God, I, I absolutely love you and I thank you for it. And you look up and you see the kids that are struggling with the things that you're like, man, that's just so hard. I want to see them saved from that. And when you're praying continually and you're, you're listening to the voice of God, when you're listening to your captain and you're walking about and you're, you're praying and you look up at on your sports team and you realize there's this kid that is just struggling with his identity or there's this girl that thinks that, that sports is the only thing that will earn attention from somebody. Or you're, you're sitting in class and you're praying continually, you're listening to the captain and you look up and you realize there's a kid that's trying to, to earn the respect of others or trying to get the attention by being the first one to raise his hand and to get the attention and, and that's how he's earning his attention is just by trying to be smart. And then you're walking through school and you're realizing, man, these people are missing the point that God loves them, that who's going to tell them? Me. I'm the missionary in this classroom. That I'm the missionary on that sports team. That I'm the missionary, that they may never even step foot in a church, but God, send me out as a missionary so they can hear how much you love them, the fact that you would send your son to die for them. God, because otherwise, I don't know if they'd hear of it. I don't know if they'd hear what it means to be a Christian unless... I go, that God, please use me. It changes the way you think when you start having a relationship with God. All of those things of driftwood, you're actually like, hey, there could be some use to this. They could be more tools for me to go and share the gospel. They could be more tools for me to go tell them what it means to love God, for him to love us, to be in a relationship with him. So how does that change us? That when you think of a missionary, how do you think of a missionary? When you think of like the missionaries your church supports and when you think of somebody that has dedica- dedicated their life to telling others what it means to be a Christian, when they, when they say, I will give up, literally, I will give up house and home, I will move to a country I don't understand, to a place I don't know, because they need to hear the gospel, they need to hear what it means to be a Christian. When you think of those missionaries, 
What do you think of? Now put yourself in those shoes in the place you already live. Because the mission field isn't hundreds or thousands of miles away. It is everywhere you step your foot. Everywhere you step your foot, you're a missionary. Everywhere you step your foot is now your mission field. Then when we leave here, we understand that Christianity is not for us to get saved, to be great. Okay, my name has changed. I'm now adopted. And now I can relax. You understand that as a missionary, you're going to be on the edge of your seat like, God, please send me. God, please send me out. They need to hear how much you love them. They need to understand that you died on a cross and rose again, that that you can wash them free. They need to understand that right now they are dead in their sins, that they deserve punishment because they're an enemy of yours. They need to understand that, that you sent your son so that they can not just be no longer an enemy, not just a servant, that they can be somebody serving you as a son, as a daughter. That's going to change the way we live. It's going to help us understand that this whole lifesaver thing, that this illustration is, is kind of silly, but it makes you understand that when you grab hold of the lifesaver, how much you have been saved from. That the more you mature, the, the more you grow up, just like my daughter, the more she understands how much I love her, she'll understand that when I tell her not to do something, that it's because I love her. The more you grow in a relationship, when you get into the boat, when you're understanding that you're changing clothes, your identity is changing because you say, I'm no longer an enemy. I'm now looked at as pure as Jesus Christ himself because he has cleansed me. He has saved me. Then when you're here, you're starting to understand, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. You did all this for me? You sent your son to die to buy me back? I was an enemy of yours. Did you know that I was fighting against you with my sin? And God says, yes, son, yes, daughter, but I love you that much. And you say, but, but do you know the things I've done? Yes, son, yes, daughter, but I love you. But can you really forgive everything I've done against you? He says, yes, son, yes, daughter, I sent my son to die for you. Do you understand how much love that took? Do you know that Jesus loves you so much that he wants to buy you back from being the enemy? He wants to buy you back. He wants to bring you back in a relationship. And remember, it's not just that you were like kind of drifting away. You were dead. Because when you're lost at sea, it's only a matter of time before something lulls you to sleep and something kills you. And you're like, like how, how are we talking? Physically, but spiritually. Because sin isn't just something that you're like, ah, it's, it's kind of bad. It's kind of a burden. You should probably get rid of it. It says that sin is like a poison that continually and slowly kills you. That when we're born, we're born an enemy of God. We're born out to sea. We're born an enemy against the worship. And the beauty of it is it says that, hey, you're not hopeless. If that's where the story ended, we'd we'd be in a world of hurt. We'd be so bad off. But what God says, he says, but that's just the beginning. That's the beginning of the story because, yes, you're a sinner against me, but it's while you were still an enemy of me that I sent my son to die for you. And he says, please, listen to my voice. Listen to my commands because the things that I, I say, they, they're not really command. They're instruction on how you and I can have a better relationship. The things I tell you, those, those things are to protect you because I don't want you to have any other gods because every other god, every other idol, every other hobby you might have can't offer you hope. That can't really change you from the inside out. Because when you're saved, it's not that the world gets easy. It's not when you get saved, when you become a Christian, it's not that the world changes, it's that you change. Because I think a lot of times we say, oh, get saved because it'll be easy. 
No, he says, hey, when you're a Christian, it's going to be hard. But I want you to be a world changer. I want you to go out and be a missionary, and I want you to cast out, and I want you to draw people closer and closer to me. So what we're going to do is, is the, I think the band, is the band in here? I think we're going we're gonna to call them up. And I, when we close out, here's how I want to do our response time. There's going to be a song. I want to pray for you guys, but as we pray, I want you to be fighting, fighting this tendency to just kind of be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. I've heard this before. There's, there's, there's two people I want to really address tonight. Some of you, this might be your first like church experience. It might, you may have been in church, but you don't fully understand it. And you might have heard for the first time tonight, first time this weekend, that you're like, wait, I'm an enemy of God. I was born an enemy of God? That I was born like hopeless, that I don't, I, I'm not born with relationship? That going to church isn't enough? That trying to, just trying to be a good person isn't enough? That's still not enough? And then you discover that you're, you're like, you know what? I'm not just like kind of out of the boat. I'm an enemy of God. I want to address you tonight and say, hey, listen, I want you to, to grab hold of Christ and say, God, save me. God, I didn't realize that my sin was an enemy of you. I didn't realize that being out to sea, I didn't realize the things I did. I didn't realize that I was dead, that spiritually I was born without you. God, I didn't realize that. Tonight, I want you to be able to come forward, and I'll, I'll be right up here. I want you to come forward, and I want you to talk to me, because listen, again, we want to celebrate with you that you're discovering that, hey, listen, I didn't know I was dead. I didn't know I was an enemy, but I no longer want to be an enemy. I no longer want to be in my sin. I no longer want to be lost at sea. I want to be found. I want to be adopted. I want to be a son and daughter. I want to be saved. And then there's another group. There's a group that, you know, you may be out here, and you may say, you know what? I, I have accepted Jesus Christ, but I didn't know there was more. I, I have accepted Jesus. I am in a relationship. Or like, I, I believe in him. I even agree with the stuff they say at church. But I didn't know that like, that needed to be turned into action. I didn't know that I needed to grow in a relationship with him. And you might be saying, listen, I, I know God. Like, like I said, I, I believe in him. I really do. But I, I don't like, what's my next step? What do I do next? How, how do I become a missionary? That sounds scary. How do I do that? How do I grow in a relationship with God? I'm going to be up here. I want you to come forward. And I want you to say, hey, listen, Kevin. When I was younger, I remember accepting Jesus into my life. And I believe I am saved. But what next? What do I do now? How can I go out and be a missionary? How can I change my life? How can I get rid of the things that I've been holding on to? And I want, during the song, I want you guys to feel comfortable. Be bold. Don't be embarrassed. Be excited at the fact that we are going to celebrate with you. And that if you are a Christian, the third group of people, if you are somebody that you're like, listen, I love my relationship with God. I've been growing. I love the things he's been teaching me. Here's my challenge to you guys. Pray for those to have boldness that are sitting next to you. Pray for the people saying, guys, please get up. I want to see you as my brother. I want to see you as my sister. Be praying right now, like in this moment, as we're singing, be worshiping, be praying as the music's playing, saying, God, please, if there is anyone sitting next to me, if there is anyone here, please let them be bold enough to go talk to Pastor Kevin. Please let them be bold enough to talk to Pastor Barrett. Please let them be bold enough to talk to their small group leaders. Because each of us have a call to take another step. Each of us have a call to grow and maturity. For some of you, it's going to be your first step. For some of you, it's an excitement as you're taking your steps to be like, come on, this is beautiful. I have a wonderful relationship, and I want you to experience that as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every student in this room. 
God, I pray for those that have never held on to you that don't know what it means to be saved. And at this point, they didn't even know they were an enemy. They didn't know they were dead in their sins. God, I pray for those that have been holding on to you and saying, God, I, don't, I just didn't know there was another step. I thought this was the finish line. God, there's more. God, I'm excited to learn what it means to walk with you, to grow in a relationship as your son and daughter. And God, I pray for that other group in here. I pray that you would continue to give them strength and courage to go out and be missionaries wherever they are. Lord, I pray that as soon as the song starts, people would be bold enough to get out of their seats and move. God, they'd be bold enough to get out and say, I don't know what's next. I'm not sure what to expect, but I believe God has something for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I know a lot of you guys are still at war. I know a lot of you guys are still like warring in your spirit about, God, what is my next step? You're saying, I want to be in a relationship with God. I just don't know what my next step is. And I want, you to ch- I want to challenge you to be bold. Ask tough questions to your small group leaders, right? That's why they're here. They love you. They want to see you grow in a relationship with God. Ask them the tough questions. And, and you know what? If they don't know the answers, they're gonna, they're, they love you so much, they'll, they'll find the answers. They'll, they'll talk to one of us. They'll say, hey, Somebody had a tough question. I don't know how to answer it. I want them to go home with the answer. You know, I just want you to, when you leave here, don't just leave and go out and have fun. I want you to leave in a spirit of going into your small group and saying, hey, let's, you know, like, I want to talk to my small group. I want them to stay after with me. I want to pray, you know. I want you to continue this moment. I want you to not just go out on emotional high. I want you to fight deep into your heart, not just physically, not just, not just emotionally. I want you to fight spiritually and saying, God, help me. God, I want to be open to you. God, I don't know what my next step is, but teach me. God, how can I use my friends to help me grow closer to God? How can I use everything, my talents, my treasure, my time, everything? How do I do that? Because even just asking that question is a great step. I'm going to close in prayer here, but I want you to continue to fight in your heart. I want to continue to fight in your spirit and find your small group leader and have them pray for you and have them teach you and equip you what it means to be a stronger Christian. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every student, for their boldness. I thank you for the ones that came forward. I pray that as they came and I prayed with them that they went back to find their small group leader. I pray that there'd be divine, that there'd be godly conversations happening all around this camp, God. That it would be as though you descended here on this camp like a thick fog, Lord. I pray that it would be that we would be walking through your presence, that we would sense you here. God, I pray that everything that happens from here on out, not just at the rest of the camp, but here on out through the rest of our lives would be dedicated to you, would be dedicated towards drawing closer to you, that we would give everything over to you. God, I pray that every hobby we have, every friend that we have, every relationship, every, every game that we play, I pray that everything we do would be for you. God, that we would do it for you that we would use it to honor you and that we'd use it to bring others to you. God, we love you and we thank you for what, you've, what you have done, what you're going to do, but more than anything, we love you for who you are. God, because you're not just a genie that, that can do things for us, God. You are a God, you're a father that loves us. And because of that, God, you bought us back to you. And in Jesus' name, amen.